So my message this morning is uh, just on peace, really, um, and this is good timing, having um, you know noted obviously what's happened in Paris yesterday and just the unrest in the world and just coming through what we've been through um, over this last week that, that our King, our God, is a God of peace. He is a God of love and the outcome for anything that God is doing is, is love and peace, isn't it? It sounds very kind of like that's what a beauty pageant uh, model would say. What do, they, what do they want? They want world peace. <laughs> you know, they're in good company because God does too, right? Um, you know, living in peace, though, uh, can be really elusive. Sometimes peace is like chasing rainbows, isn't it? When you're like, well, how, how can I feel settled? How can I feel relaxed? How can I feel positive about myself and about my environment uh, with the challenges that face me? How can I uh, be unshakable? And you can look at a lot of people in life and, and look at what's going on the outside and think, well, they're, they're doing it. You know, I want to be like them. You don't know what's going on on the inside, though. But some people do life uh, on a bit more of an even path. Some of us are like, whoa! <laughs> and, you know, the lows make the highs higher and that sort of thing. But generally, if you're doing that, you want to be kind of going like that rather than, you know, like that. So, um, you know... Today, I just want to talk about uh, living from peace, um, living from, like, with peace being within us ultimately, that, that peace isn't just something on the outside that we're striving for, but actually peace, that God has actually planned us to have a life where peace can be within us. You know, peace has been sung about across the generations. Who knows the Rolling Stones? They sung about, you know, I can't get no satisfaction, that's it. They were honest about their lack of peace, you know, because they, they, they had the dream, didn't they? I mean, rock stars. I mean, you guys on Thrive Band, you, the, the dream's there. But you know that, that you still can't get satisfaction without Jesus. <laughs> and they were, so they were, just, they were living the life, but yet they were still realizing that they just didn't have the satisfaction. John Lennon, he's, a, he's um, imagined it. Imagine all the people living a life in peace, you know, peace is not something that we take for granted. In fact, every in every war or struggle that has been faced, people are hoping for an outcome of peace. Um, the Allies, you know, they fought world. Uh, they, they fought for their lives in World War Two. And Winston Churchill, who was a prime minister at that time, he said, "If you are going through hell, keep going." Because he could see that, you know, that there was an outcome that he was looking for for a nation. And it was to see a nation once again live in, victory, uh, live in peace through the gateway of victory. And so we, Jesus Christ is our gateway for victory in life so that we can also live in peace. And then also late in the 1800s, William Wilberforce, he fought another battle. And he fought this battle in Parliament. And this was, was um, uh, a battle fought for the abolition of slave trade. So that African people, they would not, you know, they were being shipped out of their uh, their homeland and brought into the workforce as slaves. And so he went into battle in a parliament setting uh, so that the outcome could be peace for the African people. You know, the, the outcome of war is peace. Who knows in your home, in your own home, in family, in your marriage, with your children, the battle for peace can be uh, won and lost on a daily basis. <laughs> it's like just being real with you here. And I've got the microphone preaching as the pastor, and this guy here, he does not have it all together all of the time, all right? I'm preaching to myself this morning. <laughs> Easy, baby. Just, yeah. You know, 
Life feels like a battle sometimes, and we just need to be clear about where we're fighting from. And I want to remind you today where you are fighting from. So we're just going to start with reading one of my favorite scriptures. This is, um, uh, this is the, the who Jesus is and the what Jesus does, and I love it. Isaiah 9, if you've got your Bibles here today. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God is passionate about good government. God is passionate about your life coming under the structure and the order and the government of heaven. It even says here as a summary that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's not a perhaps this is going to happen one day. Like God is so passionate about the redemption of this this nation, of this uh, planet, that he states in his word that he will accomplish this through the government being on his shoulders. He he has got now what you've got on your shoulders uh, today this week in your life he's saying I want you to stop carrying that and give it to me let my government let my order let my peace reign supreme over your life today you know in the dictionary the word government is is defined as, as a branch or service of the supreme authority of a state or a nation You know, Jesus Christ, he is our supreme authority this morning. If you are a part of his kingdom, if you're not just even a part of his kingdom, that's a cool word because it's like a a militant word. It's like a soldier warfare word. But he also says that we're sons and daughters. You're a part, you're a child of God. You're a part, you're an heir. The Bible says that you are one to receive everything that he has paid the price for. You are in this government. You're a part of this. He is your Prince of Peace today. And uh, I love this uh, passage in the New Testament where the Bible gives us this uh, a, a description or a, it's, a, it's a snapshot of Jesus riding into Jerusalem and he's riding on a, on a, po- on a colt um, and he's coming in and the people are there and they are recognizing him as, uh, as king. And this is actually a prophetic film, fulfillment of the book of Zechariah when they said, you know, your king will come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And, and so he was riding on a donkey and that was cool in the day. Uh, today he would be riding in a Swift or something like awesome. Nah, <laughs> nah, let's get real. Via Prado, something like that. Uh, something awesome and uh, definitely not a Swift or an Alphard. Anyway, let's move along. But there was a, lo- there was a, there was a large crowd there and they were, they were welcoming him as king. And he made this grand entrance as royalty. And with, with royalty, with the king, he brings this presence with him. He brings the kingdom with him. He brings an atmosphere with him. And when, when, when he, uh, he rocks into Jerusalem and, and he goes to the, the, the center of what he believes should be the most supreme place of influence in the city, which is the temple. And he goes into to the temple and what he sees there it just absolutely it cuts his heart up it messes with him and he finds great injustice happening in the church and in the temple and he sees this crazy flea market going on and there's people are being ripped off in the house of God 
And he's like, I, this, this cannot be tolerated. In an in account in John 2, it says, so he made a whip out of cords. That's pretty serious. It's pretty intense. And then it says, and he used the whip. And it drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. Like he was like, even you are guilty. And he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to all those who were sold doves, he said, get out, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. There it is again, you know. He's just one passionate guy. He is one king that was carrying a presence and an atmosphere that, that, that cries out when he sees injustice, that cries out and says, I've just, I can't tolerate injustice. And in the Old Testament, you're like, well, why was Jesus so ticked off? Well, in the Old Testament, um, selling of animals was happening at the temple because it was providing a, a service for people who want, needed to sacrifice animals uh, and, uh, and produ- for a blood offering. And that sounds pretty gory, but in the old days before Jesus, like that was the way that they had connection and, and, and kept their righteousness, keep their, their, their kind of their line of communication open with, with God was, sacrificial, uh, was sacrificing animals, but Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. But So uh, buying animals was uh, a real awesome convenience for Jews who were traveling like from out of town, like for hundreds of k's away or 40 k's away, they didn't have to bring their animals with them, and so they could buy animals at the um, at the temple. Uh, temple, yeah, temple. <laughs> but they were being ripped off. The, the problem was that they were being ripped off. That they were that the margin that, that those who were selling them was just way too high. And then there were the money changers, and they were providing a service there because uh, this was under the Roman occupation at the time. And so the Hebrews would come in and they'd have to change their coin for Roman. And and then there was also a markup being putting on that. And then on top of it, there was the the pastors, uh, like the the temple priests, right? And they were overseeing all this that was going on. And they were like, mm-hmm, yep, I approve. I approve of what's happening here. So Jesus enters this environment and he goes ballistic. He's like this, I cannot tolerate what's happening in the house of God. And you could say, wow, Jesus, it looks like you lost your peace. It looks like that you went a little bit crazy. But the thing is, is that Jesus Christ is so passionate, so full of zeal for order in the house of God. He said to them in verse uh, Matthew 21, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. You know, that he wanted his house to be known for the right reasons, that it would be a house of prayer. It's interesting that it's a house of prayer, that people would come in and they would connect with God. I mean, prayer is another word for relationship, essentially. It's a house where people would relate to the king and the king would relate to people and there'd be a transaction between heaven and earth and things would happen. And then you read on, you see what happened because it says the blind and the lame came to him. This is on the same day, just after he's cleared the deck, they came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. It's just, a you know, <laughs> like... I love this picture because you think, Jesus, you lost your cool. But he's like, no, I am so connected with what has got to happen here in my house that I cannot tolerate the disorder. I cannot tolerate it in this place. And, and, and so true justice flowed at the injustice and peace was restored because it says that he healed the blind. 
and the lame came to him and we remember and the children started singing and praising him and we remember that story just because Jesus got angry and it's like wow Jesus actually just didn't hang out with sheep and children and just like meek mild Jesus with his like you know his white robe and blue sash and blonde hair and blue eyes and looks like Glenn no he was like <laughs> let's crucify him <laughs> thank you Jared I feel so supported they, you know, we, we remember this story for that outburst of passion, but the outburst of passion was an act of warfare and defiance against something that was shutting down the work of Jesus Christ, the work of the Father in the temple place. And so when that was shifted, the Holy Spirit came in and people were healed and saved and children got a revelation of the Father and who Jesus was and they praised Him. And so what didn't Jesus do? That's the question. You know, what did Jesus do? You're always thinking, what, is, what, what would Jesus do in this city? Well, what didn't Jesus do? Jesus didn't avoid the temple that day. He didn't go, that's too ugly. I can't face it. There's too much chaos going on there I just I'm going to walk around the temple and let's just start a new temple a new church no peace confronts peace confronts peace is not passive peace is carpe diem you know seize the day and uh, and change an atmosphere because peace does not tolerate injustice. And I'm not talking about like ramming truth down people's throats and in the context of our town, like don't go out and just make a crazy mess at the supermarket after the service. But like, you know, in the context of our life, oh, you were going to do that, weren't you, Debbie? Uh, in the <laughs> it's so easy just to tolerate where we're at. Our season, we can put it down to. Like our upbringing, we can put it down to. We could, like, just our normal in life. And, and if your normal today is chaos, if your normal is unrest, if your normal is uncertainty and fear, and like, and, and your marriage is just, you know, your intention or your family are constantly, like, ah, or your workplace is you're disappointed or there's anger going on, then I want to tell you that, that peace wants to confront that. That, that, that the king of, of the world, that Jesus Christ, the prince of peace, has, a, has a, an outcome of, uh, for your life that is a life of peace and harmony and joy and freedom in the Holy Ghost. It's not your normal. You're not destined to have a, have a crazy as normal. You know, you don't just sit there and say, well, you know, well, God is sovereign. And if this is God's will for my life, this is, this is just for me. And I just need to just kind of just go through the motions and just tolerate what's going on. Do you know that word sovereign uh, was actually only put into the NIV version of the Bible in the last 20 years? That Because oh, we, can, we can just say anything, you know, well, I guess God is sovereign. You know, if someone dies of cancer, I guess, well, you know, God, God is sovereign. And, 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 and that word sovereign. Sovereign, it was actually never intended to be in the context of what it was put into the Bible for. That because that word sovereign, we can just sit back and we can just go, well, we'll just let it happen. We just won't pray because what's going to happen is what's going to happen, and God is in control. And I'll just flick the TV on and I'll, and I'll just, I'll just like chillax. And because because God is sovereign, you know, God is actually we're actually co-heirs with Christ. We're co-laborers with Christ. That that like why would the Bible say that the same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you? If there was well, there's no point in that. You know, it says in Romans that the whole earth is waiting, it is groaning, waiting for the sons of man to be revealed. You know, oh. 
God was sovereign, why would the Bible say that, that he's waiting for us to do something? He's waiting to bring an atmosphere and change a region and see, you know, 10,000 people touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community. Like, he's, he's waiting. He's waiting for something that, that we carry. And I want to tell you today that there is hope for your world. And simply put, if Jesus had ignored what was going on in the temple, lives would have not been transformed that day. You know, whatever we tolerate in our lives, we validate. And you see that the, the temple priests, they're just they're sitting there, just, I don't know, they might have been chi- you know, chilling out and just going, well, whatever, whatever's happening. And Jesus is like, man, that is, that is wrong. You're just tolerating what's going on in your community. And I remember um, I avoided, when I was about 20, I avoided wearing glasses for as long as possible, right? I was like, I I'm too cool for glasses. <laughs> I'm like, contact lenses, please. And then my, my eye condition, I couldn't. And and I remember um, one day I, I was uh, living in Christchurch and working on uh, at Cashel Mall there, and and I uh, was living in Beckenham, and I and I went home in the because I I couldn't actually drive at night without my glasses, but I could drive during the day without them. I know that sounds a bit dodgy. So uh, anyway, it's just young and reckless. And anyway, so I drove uh, I drove home one day after work while it was light, and I got home, and then. You know, I don't know. Then I was like, oh, flip, I've left my glasses at work. So I, I jumped back in my Mark IV Cortina 1600 piece of <laughs> awesomeness and uh, just went back to work. And it was twilight, you know, like the hardest time to see. And so like, I drive back and then I, um, I'm going down the road and I hear a clunk and I'm like, and then a dragging sound. And I'm like, what is that? Um, so I dragged that thing for about two k's up the road and I'm like I'm, I must have hit something <laughs> eventually I get it and um so I pull over and stop and look under the road and I've, I've hit a, like one of those bright orange road cones with reflectors and I didn't even see it and at that at that moment I was like oh <laughs> I, I I need to face up to the fact here that that I need glasses all of the time now. <laughs> and I'd just been kind of like living with this thing in my life where I was like, I just want to avoid the issue. I just want to avoid what I actually need. And I needed to actually just make peace with the fact that I needed glasses. I was like, I, can, I cannot just go on. I remember when I was... Um, when I got into business, uh, for the first probably four years of that, I got into business in 2001. I think when the church, like, well, I was offered a day's pay a week to be youth pastor here, and I had business on my heart. I'm going to, I'm going to take a step of faith and go. Yep, this is this is God's call for my life. And I just, I just thought that the floodgates of heaven was going to open up over my life and finances and clients, and just it was going to be sweet because I'd had some really cool doors open up around my life um, until that, and then it seemed like all those doors. Just closed but I still uh, you know uh, for the first four or five years of that um, of me stepping into business I was racked with fear I I didn't realize that I was going to step into a war of finances a war to to say that God would provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory and so every day became a struggle for me to actually keep doing what I was doing I was like well I'm taught I'm called to be a youth pastor but I'm called to be in business and I and I had this kind of like how do I do both and and I was just I'm going to hang on to this call that I believe God has put in my life and I but I was so fearful and I de- developed this stomach condition at that time and I I lived with a real acidic stomach and I had a, so much pain in my tummy uh just 
almost constantly. And, um, and, and I was really fearful of speaking at the time. And I just like, I had a lot to get over inside myself. And at that time, I just kept going to God. I remember I'd just go out and pray and go, God, I don't know what to do about my, my money this week. And, and I remember one time I was out praying and the phone rang and House of Travel rang and they, were, they became a new client and that was awesome. And I did, ended up doing sign writing on windows in and, and town around there for a few years. But I struggled constantly with this pain and I'd talk with those around me, those I was doing life with, like Chris and, and Josh at the time. We'd have, like we'd have Friday morning um, prayer meetings down here and it, for youth and for Glenn. <laughs> I was like, so we'd be praying. And I was just real though. I was just real. I was just, I was, I felt like I was called to be where I was, but it was hard. And I was real for years. I'd be like, Flip, here he goes again about his business. Like, when's he going to shut up? When's he going to realize that God could do, give him money some other way? Or, and, and I just keep going, no, God, you've called me. No, this is it. I'm going to put, this is my line in the sand. You've called me, but I know you haven't called me to struggle with fear and to struggle with sickness. And I remember just once again going into a prayer meeting environment and going, look, I just need prayer. I'm in so much pain and my business, blah, blah. And, um, and like Chris came prayed for me. And there was a whole group there and he's like, Okay, let's just stand back. And, and at that time, the pain was really intense. And I remember standing there just with my hands over my stomach going, oh. And everyone stepped back and just the Holy Spirit came and the pain just left, left, didn't come back. Came back for a little bit about a year later and it was in the same environment that I had been in. It was actually up in Hamner this happened. And when I was in Hamner, about a year later, it came back and I just prayed and it just left again. And I've just been delivered from that pain. Like that, that left, that was like a, a total Holy Ghost healing for my and then and what was happening in my mind at that time is I was really challenging the fear that I was constantly living with like would I have enough would we would we lose the house would we you know just be in debt uh, am I a loser you know just feeling like this tension of like God's call but the reality being like just ugly just ugly and I remember this truth coach that just kind of helped me through this and it was that there was nothing that I'm going to face today that that God and I can't handle together and I just tell myself, I had that on the wall next to me in my office, and I'd read that when I'd feel just racked with stress and fear, and I'd feel constantly overwhelmed. And I just kept, it kept me, I just kept saying, This is your government. My life, Jesus, it's yours. This is your responsibility. And this is, I'm saved by grace. You know, every time I come back to him, I'm like, There's nothing I'm going to face today that you and I can't handle together. I was so stressed out. And over time, that, that just broke over my life. Constantly going back to the Father. Constantly being vulnerable with trustworthy people around you. Years of it. Feeling like a failure. Knowing that God had called me to do some stuff. And go, not seeing it. You know, the walk that you're on in your life at the moment, like, I just want to encourage you no matter where you're at to not give up today. There's a, there might be a war going on, but the king has got an outcome of peace for you to live in. No matter what your situation is, whether you've just like for years been going back with this burden, I just want to encourage you to keep going back. You know, when you go and pray and connect with God, you're blessing his heart and he has got your breakthrough in mind. I don't know why. I don't know why that sometimes we have to just linger and linger and linger, but I know that God did something amazing in my life in developing the strength of relationship and the dependence that I have on God as I persevered in Him.
and he's calling us to a walk of perseverance in our lives. And I don't know today if you carry peace in your life, whether you carry peace about your future, your marriage, about God's ability to lead you, or that you're even saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. But he wants to give you an assurance that if you died today, that you would have eternal life with him. I remember not living with an assurance of that. And I got this scripture around my life that says, this is the testimony and God has given me eternal life. And this life is in the Son. He who has, li- has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have l- life. And I just learned that and I memorized it and that became, I owned it. That scripture unsettled all the unrest and the uncertainty around my life regarding my salvation. The word of God is powerful and effective to bring peace to your world today. So Jesus didn't act passively at the market because he was so passionate about someone's breakthrough. He was passionate about the lame man. He was passionate about the blind man. He was passionate that the children could see who he was and start praising him. You know that Peace is, uh, it needs to be fought for and it needs to be pursued. In Hebrews 4, it says, you know, basically that we need to fight to enter our rest. It says there, therefore, let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves to strive diligently to enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves. You know, there's something, there's something so ironic about peace and about that scripture that, that he has peace for us that we have got to fight for. That's just the order that it goes in. There is a warfare that we need to step up to and engage in to receive our peace today. And you need to to use the Word of God and you need to use people <laughs> to support you and to pray with you and surround you with, uh, you know, with, with uh, a sense of like family uh, in your world. I love this mission statement here from Greenpeace. It's so like they also, uh, they've got peace as their target and their mission statement is Greenpeace exists because this fragile earth deserves a voice. It needs solutions. It needs change. It needs action. And then their, um, their, mission, their values, I guess, is, uh, or action points are to stop climate change, to defending our oceans, to protecting ancient forests, to demand peace and disarmament, to say no to genetic engineering, to eliminate toxic chemicals, to end the nuclear age, to encourage sustainable trade. See, these guys have got a mission. It's a militant mission, but it's all good, isn't it? I read that and I go, they're really good ideas, but it takes someone to step up and engage to see a liberation of something that is under corruption. And so they're like, this is my cause. You know, in Psalm 34 verse 14, it says, to depart from evil and to do good, to seek peace and pursue it. See, peace just doesn't turn up on our doorstep and say, hey, take me, baby. It's not going to come just knocking while you're just sitting around. Peace, it says, depart from something, leave something behind, leave anxiety behind, leave sin, doesn't it? It says, leave evil and do good. It says, change your actions, seek peace and pursue it. It says, run for it, go after it, fight to enter into that rest today. Our community needs your peace. It needs the peace of your mind, of your heart, and of your uh, worldview to see a region impacted by the grace of Jesus Christ because His grace is destined to flow through our lives. And if we don't have this, uh, this peace uh, uh, demonstrated in our own lives, His grace cannot be unleashed and released through us.
So how do you get peace today? That is a good question as I'm just kind of like ramming this whole thing down your throat this morning. I hope this is okay for you today. It says here in um, Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says, do not be anxious about anything. This is a command, isn't it? This is, this is isolating those things that are freaking you out. And God's saying to you, you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be anxious about this. Nothing misses out on this. You know, do not be anxious about anything. It says, but in prayer and petition. You know, we sign petitions, don't we, when we believe in a cause. We put our name and our signature beside that... Um, that, that injustice or that document that we, uh, that we really believe in. And we know that that document's not just going to go into a filing cabinet, but that it's going to go into the right hand so it can be read. And so I believe that this is saying that when we sign up, when we petition to God, we're saying that we are engaged with what we believe in. We're engaged with what he, with justice. We're engaged with seeing his purpose and his will uh, fulfilled. You know, it's almost like a target. It's, it's you knowing that uh, if you're in a place of fear today, it's you knowing that the target is peace, that the target is love. It's you saying, I want to, I actually see what I'm signing up for today. I'm seeing the outcome of this prayer. I'm not just putting down I'm fearful, but I'm saying that I see the outcome. I'm signing up for what God believes for in my life today as I pray, as I put my prayer and petition with God. And then with thanksgiving, you know, thanksgiving, it says in Psalms, prepares the way of the Lord. And I love thanksgiving because also thanksgiving says, I believe God that you could do all things. I believe in this place that I don't want to give thanks for. It sucks. It's hard. It's not liberated at the moment. But I'm going to thank you, Lord, that you can do a good work today in this situation and in this, uh, this, this frustration in my life. So let, let thanksgiving be a gateway for God to do great things in your life. And this scripture contains a promise to us. It says that the peace of God would guard would guard our hearts, would keep. And in, in, the, in the Greek, the word guard, it, it means this, to be a watcher in advance. That is to mount guard as a sentinel, to post spies at the gates. You know, like a sentinel is watching, is looking for who's coming your way, looking for the attacks, looking for the assignments. And God's saying that, hey, I, my peace on your life is going to be like a guard for you. It's going to be like a sentinel that watches out and looks and does not permit some things to come into your life, do not permit things to come into your brain. You're not going to digest things and think about things that you had before because the peace of God is going to guard your heart and your mind. And this is a supernatural transaction. This goes beyond our mind comprehending this. This is where it gets supernatural. This is where the Holy Spirit gets engaged in your life. And today you might be sitting there going, man, I, I, I just, I can't think this through logically. I want to tell you today that with the Holy Spirit uh, and you saying yes to Jesus Christ, you can have a peace, what the Bible says, that passes all understanding. All understanding. That says in the face of the facts around you, I don't, 
It doesn't matter because the peace of God is passing understanding. It's passing my experiences. It's passing my upbringing. It's passing my rejection. It's passing my failure. It's passing everything that I feel. It's passing my journey at the moment because the peace of God is going to reign supreme. When Jesus Christ is your Lord, then one of the benefits of His Lordship is the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know, the fruit of the Holy Ghost is evidence that He's in your life. And today, we're just going to stand in this moment right now. Let's just stand, everyone, this morning, because the peace of God, you know, you were born to contain peace. You were born to live in peace.